Okay, the question which I was asked to address today in today's session is is it an appropriate thing to try and uh, talk to people who are becoming interested or might be becoming interested in Yiddishkeit and uh, talk to them about Kabbalah or something similar as a way to arouse their interest or maybe uh, get them connected to something which they would want to uh, feel more of an affinity to or not. Now, this is an important point because before we try and explain is it right to teach beginners and people who are not even keeping Torah mitzvahs yet to teach them principles of Kabbalah, the truth is that the question is based on two misunderstandings. So therefore, I'm going to break the answer into three parts. The first two, discussing why the question isn't really a question, and the third one will be an answer to the conceptual level of what's wrong with teaching people Kabbalah, even if they're beginners or even if they're not yet keeping Torah So the first point is that the idea of appealing to people to keep Yiddishkeit through Kabbalah is based on people's misunderstanding of what Kabbalah is. People think it's something uh, spiritual, something which is going to make them act in a, or feel a certain way, and they connect to it like something which of a, of a cult nature, as something uh, extraordinary or extraterrestrial, whatever it's going to be. And therefore, the idea is that just like people are going to get hooked on any other kind of spiritual uh, program or something which tends to offer uh, out-of-this-world experiences. So people take Kabbalah to mean the same thing. Now, that's not to say that Kabbalah, for those people who are proficient in it and those people who are on the level, it can't be used to achieve things which normally physically wouldn't be done. But that's for sure not the level and it's for sure not within the range of the people who are thinking that that's what they're going to get out of Kabbalah. Which means, instead of being something which they're actually going to learn from and gain from and be grounded in, it's more like going to be something which is an imagination or something which uh, is something of a, so to speak, cult-like nature of something which is inexplainable and uh, uh, feels spiritual or feels something which they can't quite uh, make out. And then once again, it's not the way to learn Kabbalah, it's not the way to teach Kabbalah, it's not really what Kabbalah is. So people who are looking for that kind of experience are making a mistake, and they're not going to find it in that in the, what they're looking to do, and find that kind of what they believe is a spirituality in uh, learning Yiddish guide that way. So it's a mistake to start with. Because Kabbalah, like anything else in Torah, at its first level and its starting level needs to be understood, it needs to be learned, and it's a sugi which needs to be thought about and explained properly. It's not something which a person just mentions incantations and miraculous things start to happen. That's in the category of superstition or fantasy or witchcraft maybe, I don't know what to call that. It's definitely not Kabbalah and it's definitely not what people who are looking for that kind of a spirituality or fake spirituality are going to find in Yiddishkeit, so it's not a way to start. The second point, why the question is also a mistake, and that is because the what we're looking for in trying
trying to makar people to Yiddishkeit is people are going to keep the Torah and do mitzvahs. People are going to uh, stick to what the Torah wants them to do or in a sense of reality of this is what they're meant to be doing and that's what's going to compel them. And therefore, it's true that understand, giving more understanding or more depth to understand the beauty and to understand the, uh, the, the kind of levels of meaning in Yiddishkeit will add a lot for a person's appreciation of it. So for that we could use Musa, we could use Machshava, whatever else, parts of Torah which show you the godless and the grandeur of Torah, not just necessarily the basic rules of Halakh, what does and does need to be done, but it has to begin with that. The starting point has to be the principles of Halakh, the starting point has to be the principles of Imuna, and afterwards if a person is looking for more understanding, for more levels of meaning, so then we can build on that. But to start with something which is not the basics, something which is a, let's say, uh, added level of that of spirituality and added dimension when a person isn't holding my keeping the halacha isn't going to isn't going to help them develop a connection to the way the Torah is meant to be kept and the aside is and the principle is that at the end of the day the Torah is a Torah schaim which means that the level of Torah or the connection to Torah comes from living Torah comes from, from acting out be the Torah and therefore just hearing deep and profound ideas which uh, aren't translated into the way a person acts is causes a dissonance causes a separation between what they're thinking and what they're thinking about and where they're holding and if that's the case the Torah is not going to have the effect it should have on the person because as you know the Torah's effect on a person is meant to be produced by both what he does and what he thinks. They come together. So that's uh, the second reason why working on, uh, as a thinking about uh, bringing people into Yiddishkeit through Kabbalah isn't the way to start. It's uh, connecting or developing a discussion about things which are way above where the person is really holding and what the person's level of observance really is. But the question is, why isn't it something at least that it might not be the way a person is going to learn and it might not be the way a person should be uh, when he's just beginning and doesn't know anything yet, but why can't it be used as a tool to, so to speak, as a magnet to, to attract people and once they're attracted, so now we can start building the basics first. And that's why I said the three parts to the answer. The first two is why, as a, like on the shit, the shit, it's not a good idea. Like I said, firstly, the people who are looking for that pseudo spirituality and are thinking that that's what Kabbalah is, aren't going to find that kind of religion in Yiddishkeit because Yiddishkeit is much more built on halacha and adherence to the rules and learning the Torah not just the uh, magic or, like we said, some kind of speak secret spiritual code. That's the first reason why it's not a good idea. The second reason it's not a good idea is because even if it was something which could be explained to to a beginner audience, it's not going to be, it's not going to have the effect it's meant to have. Because in Torah we don't divorce a person's level of keeping the Torah from a person's level of understanding Torah. The two have to go together. And therefore, if a person isn't on the level of keeping the Torah properly, 
they're not going to be able to understand the Torah properly. And uh, to try and to try and uh, delve into a world which needs understanding isn't going to work for somebody who's not ready for it. Now, that doesn't mean that a person can't discuss Torah concepts and a person can't in, in, interest people or wet their imagination with ideas and would show you about Torah. But again, that's more in something which is of a Musa nature or a Machshava nature as opposed to Kavada. And the reason for that is, is because people can relate to something which delivers a certain message, speaks to the way, like internally they re- resonate with them. And that's again in the category of Chizuk, in the category of Musa, something like that. Whereas Kabbalah isn't like that. Kabbalah is explaining a whole system. And it's explaining a whole understanding, development of how spiritual world works. That's not something which is coming to give Chizuk. That's not something which is coming to inspire. That's the whole system which a person has to learn first. And like we said, learn properly. And understand in order to deal with it. And then just using Kabbalah as a way to to draw, so to speak, inspiration, if it's not true, isn't really the real, isn't really learning. In other words, we're not going to invent uh, connections to spiritual forces and angels, whatever it is, as a way to try and uh, make Yiddishkeit seem more appealing to people who are looking for that kind of spiritual uh, connection, because it's that's not Torah either, then. then it's just uh, something which is being used to sell something, but it's not based on the emiss of what's really going on. But now let's go to the Ica point, that's what I really wanted to talk about. And that is, why can't a person teach Kabbalah to beginners? Something is, if, like any other field of knowledge, if a person would read the textbooks, if a person would explain it clearly enough, so a person would be able to understand, he's an intelligent person. And if you're going to explain it to him well enough that he can understand what you say, so then even if it's something he's never learned before, or something he has no experience in, but he'll he'll listen and he'll begin to understand, then he'll grow from that. And therefore, we're not talking necessarily about the idea of trying to be inspired or spiritually awakened by Kabbalah, but let's talk about learning Kabbalah. Like we said, it's a topic which needs to be learned. And so if a person would prepare the shirim, he knows himself, let's say, and you prepare it, and you explain it well, why wouldn't it be something that you could teach people, um, even if they're not yet on the high enough level? And this isn't just really a question. Now, this is a really goes back to the Poskim, and it goes back to the Mishnah. And that is, we don't teach Kabbalah Barabim in public, and we don't teach Kabbalah to people who are not ready for it, and we don't teach Kabbalah, except the Mishnah says, for a Talmud who is able to understand the principles already. Why not? Why can't it be taught if it's taught well enough? But like any other branch or knowledge or wisdom. A person could learn applied physics or mathematics or chemistry or Havdal and Torah. Could learn any sugya or any halacha if it's explained to well enough. Why should Kabbalah be different? And we see there were restrictions placed on learning Kabbalah. Whether it's age restrictions or stage restrictions, a person has to be at a certain level of proficiency in learning. Or at Rav Chaim Vital writes in the Hakdama to Aitzus Chaim and that is that a person has to be on a certain level to learn Kabbalah Otherwise, Rechaim Yitzhah writes, Mashpiyani he makes a shvur that a person will get harmed spiritually by learning Kabbalah if he's not ready. If he's not holding by the level, he's able to learn Kabbalah. And the question is why? And this is something we need to understand. The answer to this, is, uh, this 
the question is the principle of understanding what Kabbalah means. Which means people, by definition, can only relate to things which there's a human experience of. And therefore they can relate or refer back to something that they know about or they've experienced or that they can feel or use one of their senses to perceive. And then they can understand that and they can understand other things in context of the existing knowledge they already have. There are lots of examples of this, but basically the principle is that a person who doesn't have a connection to a certain experience or a certain concept can't imagine it. A person can only build on the starting points of understanding that he already has and develop them. And I always give the same examples because it's something which everyone can understand easily. And that is if a person was colorblind and he had never seen the color purple or the color brown, and now he's listening to someone tell him about the difference between brown and purple. And he would say, I don't understand what the difference is. I haven't seen brown, I haven't seen purple. Please explain to me what's brown and what's purple. Now imagine you were trying to explain to somebody who can't see color the difference between brown and purple, and you'll think for yourself that there's no way to do that. You're going to say it's a rich color, you're going to say it's a dark color, you're going to say it's a reddish color, what are you going to say? And how does that define one more than the other one? And this is a simple example of something which for persons never experienced that his mind can't comprehend. And even for those of us who have experienced it, when we talk about it, it's only because we're referring back to concepts which we know about, and therefore, in context of what we know, we can understand this too. So therefore, the aside is that a person can't think about things that their brain or their, their, have, no, have no connection to, or things that have had no awareness of. Now, if that's the case, so how is it possible to talk about a world of spirituality? We're all physical beings and we're all existing in a physical surroundings, so we can relate to physical things. How are we meant to relate to spiritual things? It's not something we're aware of, it's not something we can comprehend even. So what's the, what's the terminology to explain the spiritual world? And the answer to this question, Arizal writes, which is something the Torah itself does, and that is, we have to explain the spiritual world in terms of the physical world. And therefore, just like the Torah does, when it talks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says Hashem saw, or Hashem spoke, or Hashem descended to this world, or Hashem acted, and it describes Hashem having a mighty hand, and describes Hashem as having eyes you can see, and that obviously doesn't mean physically, because Hashem doesn't have a physical arm, or Hashem doesn't have physical eyes. So then why does the Torah use physical terminology? And the answer is, because there's no other way to explain it to people who do work with physical terminology, and therefore the only way we would be able to relate to the concept being explained to us is through using physical imagery which we can relate to. But that's not the MS. Because we're not talking about a physical world and we're talking about something which is being compared to using the physical world. The, the description of human features or physical features is a metaphor. And if a person is going to get stuck on the marshal, a person is going to get stuck with the example, and not be able to see deeper than that, so then they're going to make the mistake of, so to speak, visualizing Hashem in human terms. Now that's a tremendous mistake. According to the Rambam, that's a, a, a transgression of one of the thirteen principles of Imun. The third of the Ikrim is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu ain't no goof, but I 
Hashem is not physical, and physical doesn't physical terms don't determine him, don't define him. And therefore, how is a person able to learn Kabbalah, which has to use the physical marshal and apply it to the nimshal, which isn't physical? And the answer to this question, and this is the biggest thought, is that that's why a person who isn't ready for it shouldn't learn Kabbalah. Because he's going to get stuck with seeing things and comprehending things in a physical, literal sense, and he's going to end up thinking that Malachim are physical things which have bodies and wings and eyes, and uh, even Hashem Himself. And that is the way that in the non-Jewish terms they relate to these concepts. They see them as, and they depict them as being physical. Because as people they can't see them in any other sense. They can't relate to them in any other sense. They see them as purely physical. That's the world they live in and that's the only reality they know. And like we said, that's a big mistake. So better a person shouldn't learn about spiritual things than learn about them with the mistaken notion that they, that they have physical properties as people or physical objects do. So what's the alternative? What's the alternative? And that is how does, and really what we're asking is, in other words, how does a person connect to a non-physical reality? So there's a big insight I want to share with you. Rav Obel used to say that the preparation to learn Kabbalah is to learn Mishnah Sharm. Mishnah Sharm is the classic Mishnah book. But you see, that's a, that's a preparation to learn Kabbalah. Why? So I want to explain this to the story I heard recently. A story I heard from Moshe Kapschitz, who when he was a Bacha, he was a Talmud of Enel Apian. And one time in the yeshiva, Rav called him over, and he says to him, he says, Moshe, tell me, what's the difference between a person and an animal? So he answered him, and he said, well, the first difference is that people can think and animals can't. So Rav debated the point, and he said, no, there's a certain amount of intelligence animals have too. It might be more instinctive intelligence, but animals can think about things they need to think about, and they, can, they, they know how to uh, do things which is their nature to do. So maybe people can think about more things, but it doesn't, as a matter of degree, it doesn't make it an intrinsic difference in people and animals. So the second attempt, he said, well, maybe the difference is that people have the ability to make decisions, they have the khira. And animals don't. And that Rebellion said, why not? Animals can also make the khira. A cow can choose if she wants to drink or she wants to eat the grass. She can choose if she wants to lie down under this tree or under that tree. Animals can decide between the options in front of them as well. So why don't they have the khira? Why are they different to people? So Rav Elia answered his own question. And he says, but you're right. The difference is that people have Bukhira and animals don't. But to define Bukhira as a person can choose what they want to do is not a good definition. Because animals can also choose what they want to do. Out of the options available to them, they can choose which of them they want to do. He said the difference by a human being is that a person can choose not to do what he wants to do. Or a person can choose to do what he doesn't want to do. And that's something an animal can't do. And the yesod in that is that an animal is something which is totally physical. Totally physical means it's only 
aware of itself as a physical body with physical wants and physical needs. And therefore the entire thought process or the entire Bechira process, if you can call it that of an animal, is in keeping with the abilities of its physical body or the wants of its physical body. There's nothing more to it than that. Whereas a person understands that there's a level within them which is deeper than just the body. They have a level of their, of their work, which means their personality or their identity. And therefore, because a person has an element within him which is deeper than just the physical body, so a person can make decisions based on that, based on his conscience, based on his sense of right and wrong, to do things which his body doesn't want. Which means basically that the animal sees itself as a body, nothing more, and a person can see himself as more. And because of that he can make decisions which are based on his seichel rather than based on the desires and the wants of his body. And that's the important point. The important point is, how does a person see himself? Because for a person who's never trained themselves in this Bechira, a person who's never learnt to deny their body what it wants, a person who's never forced themselves to keep Torah mitzvahs, so they're very similar to the animal. They only relate to themselves as a physical body. They only connect to themselves in terms of their physical wants and needs. And if that's the case, the person who can, even by himself, he can't see anything more than his physical dimension, definitely won't be able to connect to anything ruchnistic. He has no idea of and no connection to and no awareness of a concept of something ruchni. And therefore, a person like that, if they're going to learn Kabbalah or going to learn anything about of a ruchni nature, they're going to distort it. They're going to distort it. They don't know how to relate to ruchnis. Whereas a person who's become a person and become an Adam first, a person who's gotten used to the idea that he's not just a physical animal of a different kind, that he has a neshama, that he has a seichel, that he has an identity of something non-physical, and he connects to that, and he sees himself as a non-physical thing, then he's already connected to the concept of something spiritual. Then he's already aware of a spiritual element. And then he, by himself, he doesn't see himself, I'm a body. He doesn't consider himself to be a completely physical object. It starts with yourself. The man is a composite of spiritual and physical. A person has a body and he has a neshama. And somebody who's never understood that point and only sees himself as a body has no ability whatsoever to understand ruchnius. There's no human experience for that. And if there's no human experience for it, then it's going to be distorted. Then it's going to be misunderstood. It's going to be taken at face value and everything which a person learns about spiritual concepts are going to be translated into glorified physical concepts. And angels will be little children with wings flitting around and the, spirit, and the satan will be this uh, black-caped, yellow-eyed dragon with a sword or a scythe, whatever it's going to be. Because a person has no, no, no ability to relate to something non-physical. And therefore, where it has to begin from, where a person has the human experience of something not physical, which can introduce to him a world which of non-physical things, is himself. Is himself. Because a person can experience themselves as being spiritual. And that is, by choosing not to follow their body. 
by choosing to focus on a part of themselves which is deeper than the physical part. Their loyalty, their devotion, their sense of principles, their conscience, their knowledge, their seichel, and eventually their neshama. That's all something that the human being can experience because it's within him. And when a person's begun to experience those spiritual parts of himself, and he stops seeing himself as just a glorified animal, he stops seeing himself as just a physical being with different wants and or more sophisticated ways of achieving them, then a person can start to see himself as a spiritual thing. A person who has the ability to transcend what his body wants. A person has the ability to connect to something greater than that. A person has the ability to get pleasure from something which is spiritual in nature. That's the training. And when a person has gotten used to that, then they can relate to a spiritual concept. Because they relate to themselves like that. They don't just see themselves as a body anymore. They can now see I'm more than that. It's something not physical, it's something not touchable, it's something not quantifiable. But there's more to me than just my body. There's my my feelings, there's my thoughts. There's my sense of identity. And when a person gets there within himself, then already he's able to relate to spiritual concepts. And if that's the case, if he's now going to understand that there's a concept called the Malach, understand the Malach also isn't a physical thing. It's a martial. It's a martial, and you've now been given the key of yourself to understand that if you talk about a person, and you talk about his heart, and you mean his feelings, you're not talking about the physical organ which pumps. There's a deeper part of a person. And therefore it says, it doesn't mean the right atrium or the left atrium. It means the lave of a person, which means the sense of his feelings. That's the nimshal of the marshal. And if you understand that, then you can understand malachim too. The psukim will use terms which are a marshal, but a person has the ability to translate the marshal into the intangible, transcendental, non-physical nimshal. And kavachem Hashem himself. And that's why for a person who's not yet on the level, it's dangerous to teach in Kabbalah. Because Kabbalah is going to, by definition, be misunderstood. A person who doesn't have the ability to relate to the nimshal of spiritual reality is going to distort and misunderstand Kabbalah. And therefore, the prerequisite for learning about the pnimius, the spirituality of Yiddishkeit, is the fact that a person's on the level of spirituality to recognize the spirituality in himself. When a person can explore that and understand it in himself, he's then more able to be, begin to appreciate the world of spirituality, which is much greater than him. And therefore, the conditions before a person starts to learn Kabbalah are, the, are how well he's keeping the mitzvahs, how much he's versed in Torah, how much he's able to overcome his Yetzirah, and altogether, how much he's built himself a spiritual reality, which he understands is more than and greater than the physical part of the person. Because that's the key to be able to relate to all spiritual matters in the same sense.